Welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Carol Perlman, a psychologist, health coach, and married mom of two boys. I went from a frazzled working mother who hit snooze until the last possible moment to a vibrant business owner who jumps out of bed at 5 a.m. excited about my day. I once felt completely overwhelmed by my endless task list, but have learned to work smarter, not harder, by studying health habits, mindset, and time management. I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can follow a nutrition plan that supports their goals, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of their to-do list, and go to bed feeling fantastic about the day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle, and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. Now on to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Healthy Habits for Life. I'm Carol Perlman, and thank you for joining me. This is the 100th episode. Holy moly, I am so excited. Not only excited to bring you this episode because it's going to cover just one of my favorite topics, but I'm just really excited to share this milestone with you. I can't believe it. Two years later, 100 episodes later, So much has happened here on the podcast. We've covered a lot of topics. I hope they have made a difference for you and they have helped you along your journey of working towards better health and better health habits. And I know over here on my side of the microphone, it has been so amazing for me. I have met wonderful people, wonderful collaborators because of this podcast. And I have really enjoyed getting to know them and learning about their work and then passing that on to you through our interviews. And I really enjoyed sharing my thoughts with you about things that I've learned and that I continue to learn and work on in my own journey towards better health and better health habits. So overall, it's really been a banner experience to host this podcast. And I really Thank you all so much for listening and tuning in week after week. The numbers just astound me. The number of downloads really astound me. And I'm just so honored that you would part with some of your precious time and tune into this podcast when you have many, many choices out there. So I thank you so much for so many loyal listeners. And I'm really excited to see what will happen in the next year, in the next 100 episodes. I know there are great things to come great collaborations and guests. And so stay tuned because I'm really excited for all that is to come. So I have to share with you as I was thinking about this, wow, you know, the 100th episode is coming up. What do I want to cover? And I thought and thought about what topic would be really fitting. And I decided on one that I think encompasses a lot of what we have talked about in various episodes over the past two years. And I'm trying to tie it all together into one concise episode called Lessons Learned on Feeling Good in Your Skin. Wow, if we could all achieve that, wouldn't that just be spectacular? I know as much as we talk about healthy habits and the journey towards better health, and that encompasses so many things from physical health to mental health. But you know, there's this feeling and it's kind of hard to put it into words, but the feeling of being comfortable in your own skin, comfortable with who you are and your role in this world and what you want to accomplish, but just feeling good in your body and loving your body for what it is today in this moment is really a pretty powerful thing. And there's so much that comes 
from arriving at that place. There's so much more that you do with your life that you get out of day-to-day life when you feel comfortable in your own skin. And so I was thinking about it. I have this distinct memory of being a kid, being a teenager, being in my childhood bedroom and having this feeling of being disconnected to my body. I wasn't huge back then, I, you know, in terms of being super overweight, but I definitely wasn't skinny mini like a lot of other people are in high school. And by the way, the girls in high school now, that's a whole nother story. However, I remember this moment of just feeling disconnected, kind of lost in my body, like I was moving through marshmallow and didn't feel strong and vibrant and confident. And here I am today, age 51, about 35 years later. And wow, what a journey it has been. Truly has. I've been all over the spectrum when it comes to my body, body image, my relationship with food, my daily habits, my overall feeling in my body, my self-confidence. And I really wish I could have a conversation with my younger teenage self and share all the things that I've learned and that I now know to be true that helped me feel so much better in my body today at age 51. And obviously we can't do that, but I know there are many people out there who are still struggling on this journey, whatever age you're at, you know, just because you age doesn't necessarily mean that you work through these challenges. And I know, you know, so many people are still struggling and I, you know, still have my struggles too, that I am working on. So I thought I would share the lessons that I've learned over the years and some of the best tools that have helped me get to where I am today, which is a place of appreciating my body for what it is, what it can do, and really the life that it allows me to live, which to me at the end of the day is everything. So number one, the the number one um point that I wanted to make that I think is really life-changing is realizing that your health is number one. And I know for me, I definitely didn't feel this as a kid, but as I got older, as I got into my forties and now my fifties, I truly realized that my health is my number one and everything I do is to support greater health. Because over the years, I've seen what happens when I've been struck by illness and sadly others that I love have been either struck by illness or lost their life to illness, or were forced to live a life that was really difficult due to chronic illness. And it really puts everything else in perspective. I know that I, like so many others, chased skinny for so many years in my teens and my 20s, and it was really toxic. And now I certainly don't do that anymore. Now I chase a healthy, strong body, and I've worked on appreciating the curves that I do have and stop pining over a body shape that I'll never have. And isn't it funny how the grass is always greener? When you have curves, you want to be smaller or less curvier. And when you're smaller and maybe straight, you wish you had more curves. And, you know, I think so many people can relate to that. They feel like the grass is always greener. And what I really want for you is that you learn to appreciate the body that you do have and what it does for you and really the life that it enables you to live. One of the things I've also discovered is that you can learn how to dress anybody in a way that flatters and accentuates your assets and you can look fashionable and trendy and cute and fantastic. And I've also come to appreciate that my body was healthy enough to give me my two greatest gifts in life, my boys. And that makes me want to cry. I'll never forget that my body did that for me. And I know there are people who wanted that more than anything else and their body couldn't do that. And I will thank that 
forever and ever that my body gave me these boys. And, you know, so yeah, there are things I wish were different. And with every eight, uh, year that passes, there are more things that are changing, but I'm really working to embrace many of the changes that do come with aging, some more than others. But I do feel that some of them, like the crinkles around my eyes, they hold my memories, they hold wisdom of lessons that I've learned. And I'm so grateful for that. And while there are other things I wish were different, right now I'm not loving the wrinkles in my forehead, but I just remember this. Um, I actually heard, I think I said this on another podcast that um, one of my rabbis said this to me many, many years ago, and I never forgot it. And he was talking about how all of his friends were complaining about aging and their eyesight. And his perspective was that he was just grateful to be alive, to be able to complain about that. And I really feel the same way that, yes, I'm going to complain about some of these changes that I don't necessarily love. But at the same time, I am truly grateful that I am here and able to live my life and complain about them when others I know are not. So that's number one is realizing that your health is your everything. Number two, when you feel vibrant in your body, your mindset is so much better. They really go hand in hand. And so for this reason, it is so important to move your body and to feel alive in your body because exercise is medicine and it really should be taken or done daily. There are studies that show that compare people who took antidepressant medications and people who simply were prescribed quote unquote, prescribed an exercise routine. And the people who exercise fared just as well as the people who took antidepressant medication. I'm in no way saying that you shouldn't take antidepressant medication if that's what you need. But what I'm saying is this is the power of exercise. The research shows it. And I'm sure we all have our anecdotes that we can share that demonstrates it. The endorphins that we get from exercise are just magical. And there are so many different types of exercise. And I want to emphasize that they are all important for different reasons from cardiovascular exercise, strength training, stretching, things like yoga, Pilates. Um, they're all important and they support our health and they make us feel good, but in slightly different ways. So they're all really important. And the interesting thing, I'm learning a lot about this, and I know a lot of my contemporaries are learning a lot about this right now, which is that the recommended ratios of all these types of exercise, the amount and the intensities, this changes over time. So we want to make sure that we are getting guidance from the professionals in terms of what is really best for us at the stage of life that we're in so that we feel connected to our body and we feel strong in our body and our body is able to perform and function without getting injured as we get a little bit older. So I think this is one of the things that I really wish I had done more as a teenager. I was an athlete and I played sports, but I really wish I lifted weights when I was younger and just feeling lost in my body and disconnected from my body. I think if I had done strength training then, I would have felt so much better in my body. I would have felt connected to those muscles. I would have felt strong. I would have felt like a badass. And so while I can't go back and tell that teenager that message, I can continue to do that today. Okay, so let's talk about number three. Number three is one of my favorite topics. It's called habits. Everything is easier when it becomes a habit. So when you automate your health behaviors, you'll be, it, it will enable you to be far more successful than when you keep them as a task that you need to cross off on your to-do list each day. 
So we could go back and I'll list some of the episodes in the show notes about habits and why they're important and how to create a habit. But I know this to be true because I've worked so hard on this, creating a daily exercise habit. I remember the time, you know, life changes when you're single, when you don't have kids and you have little kids and then they start to get older. But I remember the time when, you know, my really big, my biggest health transformation began and it was about nine years ago when my kids were little, they were maybe five and eight and life was so busy. And I used to see these women out there exercising and for the moms even, and for the life of me, I just couldn't figure out how in the world did they create the time or find the time to create time wasn't in my vocabulary back then. I was thinking, how did they find the time to exercise when they had little kids and life was so busy. And I now know because I've worked so hard on creating the habit, then when it's a habit, it's just what you do. You decide what time of day it's going to happen. Ideally, it's at the same time every day, the same place in your routine. But I know sometimes that doesn't work. So you might plan it for a different time. But when it's in your schedule and it's in the calendar, you just know, well, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to go from one event to the next and then I'm going to exercise. And that's just what we're going to do. I'm not going to think about it, not going to decide. Do I feel like it? Do I not? Is this the right way to use my time? Is it not? It's just what I do. And when it becomes so habitual, then it happens more often. And you, with so much less thought and analysis and distress, it's just what you do. So creating these habits of daily exercise and any health behavior um, is going to be so much better than keeping them on a to-do list. Okay, so moving on to number four. Number four is that your habits are very much related to how you manage your time. I have people ask me this a lot, sort of what, what goes into creating habits and Different people might have different philosophies. You know, mindset is a big part of it, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But for me, I really see how much time management plays a role in your habit. Because think about it. If your day is totally chaotic and unstructured, how can you plan anything and how can you do anything consistently when one day looks nothing like the next and you have no idea what the second and third day are going to look like? So it really just doesn't work. Alternatively, the more structure you can provide to your day, and I'm not saying that every day has to be exactly the same and that there's no room for variability because that is important, but the more you can have a consistent core structure to the flow of your day, the more you're going to be able to consistently work in habits, do things day after day after day. And here's the best part is it means you don't even have to think that much about it because you're not you're not having to remember, oh, I got to fit this in at this time, or I have to find a time to do this. Because if it's just what you do at a certain point in your routine, then it just is. And you don't even think about it. It really and truly is genius. So I really encourage you to think about your overall time management and make sure that that is where you, and that and those skills, those time management skills are where you need them to be. Because everything else will layer in on top of that and your habits will form on top of your core time management plan. Of course, you know, I have a lot to say about this. I have several previous episodes on this and you know that this is my top course that I teach to really share with you the system that I have perfected over the years that I teach to others, that I use for myself. I have so much to say about this. So take a look back at previous episodes and don't worry, there will be many more to come this year. 
Okay, so that's a little bit about why time management is really at the core of habits. And as I alluded to, a positive mindset is a really important role to all of that as well. A positive mindset plays a really important role in feeling good in your skin and feeling good in your body. And here's the thing. It doesn't just happen naturally for most people. You might think, oh, other people have it easier. Other people wake up and they are more naturally positive. And, you know, maybe that's true to a little bit of a degree. You know, there is this concept of temperament and how babies are born with a certain temperament. And we generally maintain that same temperament throughout our life. However, research also shows and science also shows that it is 100% possible to change your mindset and to change your thoughts. And so even if they aren't naturally flowing where you want them to be, you 100% can create the mindset that you want. And again, It also goes back to daily habits, that you can create the daily habit of working on your mindset so that you intentionally create the positive thoughts that you want circling around in your head. I often think about it, you know, I don't know how many people are still watching the news, but you know, when you watch the news at the bottom of the screen, they have what they call this little ticker. And the ticker goes across your screen again and again, tells you whatever it is that the news station wants you to hear. And think about it. There's someone sitting in a programming room somewhere typing those very words into a computer so that they swirl around and around and around on that TV screen and go into your brain. Well, the same thing is happening with our thoughts. Quote unquote, someone, ourselves, our subconscious even, is programming our thoughts to go around and around. And we have the power to take a seat in the control box and type in the thoughts that we want to have circulating. And when you do that over and over again, you crowd out the unwanted, unhelpful, negative thoughts that might be inclined to circulate. And instead, you create your own ticker of positive thoughts. How do you do this? So I'm going to go back to my all-time favorite practice, the Miracle Morning. It's one of the very best habits you can create to intentionally create that positive mindset, which in turn is going to enable you to feel good in your own mind, in your own body, with your own thoughts, in your own skin. It is truly, truly one of the very best habits you can create because it's going to anchor this practice of writing out, they're called affirmations, writing out the thoughts that you want circulating in that ticker in your head. So again, I've got several episodes in the Miracle Morning. Go back. I believe the first one is episode... 10. um, Double check that. I'll put it in the show notes. Go back. There's lots of information on exactly how to create this miracle morning routine for yourself. And number six, I want to say it's kind of related to this, that personal development can change your life. Personal development includes reading books, you know, what we might have considered in the self-help genre, um, things that are about growth and mindset and becoming the person you want to be, letting go of the person that you no longer want to be. It can be listening to podcasts like this and many other wonderful ones. It can be listening to Audible um, when you're in your car, when you're making dinner, when you're just you know cleaning the house, doing whatever, walking. It can be every page that you read, every sentence you hear. They all have the power to contribute to a positive mindset for that day. And so it is something that you should invest in every day. It should become part of your daily habits, which is that you make sure you're listening to audio or consuming. It doesn't have to be audio. It can be um, books. If you still like to read physical books, it can be 
reading books, but making sure that you are consuming positive information every day that's going to help set your mindset, which is going to enable you to feel better in your own skin. You won't believe that even a page, even a paragraph a day is enough to for you to find a little nugget that really sticks, that implants in your head for the day and really will change how you experience your thoughts and your interactions throughout the day. Your interactions, and I should add also your actions throughout the day. So I can't underscore this enough, the importance of personal development as a habit and a practice that has the power to change your life. Okay, number seven is has to do with food. We've heard it for so many years. We are what we eat. But I am here to say that the more I, I feel this with so much more conviction than ever, that the more intentional you are about the food you eat, the better you are going to feel, the better your health will be, and the more you're going to achieve your health and weight goals. So it's going to take some effort. It's going to involve devoting some of your precious time during your day to thinking about food, thinking about what's in your house, what's in your fridge, what needs to go on your grocery list. Do you need to make an extra stop at the store? Do you have a plan for your meals each day? So yes, you are going to have to think about it. If you want this outcome, if you want to feel your best, if you want your health to be as good as it can be so that your life is as good as it can be, you're going to have to decide that food is important to you and thinking about food and planning food in your meals is a really important and valuable use of some of your time. It doesn't have to take up your whole day, but it is going to need to take up some of your day. Now, I'm not going to get sidetracked on this, but I did I, I did just want to mention this, that there are a lot of different theories about nutrition, our relationship with food, how we can approach food throughout the day. And I'm not here to necessarily support or dispel any of them, but I wanted to just acknowledge that there is this philosophy out there called intuitive eating, which um, tries to help you break free from a lot of rules that many people have adopted over the years and maybe followed a little bit too exclusively so that they've become disconnected to what their body really wants and needs and craves. And there definitely is a value in tuning into that and especially tuning into the sensation of being full and knowing that you've had enough food. But there is this philosophy called intuitive eating that basically says kind of scrap the rules and um, and really tune into what your body is telling you. And and I'm not an expert on this. And so and I'm not I'm not pretending to be. But I also just wanted to add that there's so much research out this out there that tells us what foods are good for our body, how much food we need, how much of each type of each food group we need, and especially at what time of day and at what each meal. And this changes as we as we age, as we go through different phases of our life, our bodies have different needs. And so our needs for food change. And so I do really believe that it's important to be reading the research and to make sure that you're up to date and that you know what is really going to be best for your body at the age you are and at the phase of life you are you're in and with the demands that you are putting on your body if you are working out a lot if you are lifting a lot of weight your nutritional needs are going to be different than if you're someone who doesn't exercise at all if you have certain illnesses if you have certain conditions your body's nutritional needs are going to be different from someone who doesn't have those. And so it's really important to be reading about it, to be up to date on the research so that you can use that to inform your choices and 
combine that with the the aspect of intuitive eating that does enable you to tune into your body, know when you're full, honor cravings, but kind of intertwine those cravings with foods that you know are going to be good for you and help you reach your goals. So there's there's a balance in there. And I wanted to just stress that, that and it's a sweet spot. I know it, it, it can feel like a complicated sweet spot to achieve where you are tuning into your body, but also incorporating what we know intellectually from the research to be beneficial for us. Um, I guess I want to add one more thing, which is to say, and you might put this under the category of intuitive eating or, you know, what happens when you crave treats? And I think it's really important. If you know me, then you may know that ice cream is one of my love languages. And I do believe that it is important to allow ourselves to have these foods, have the foods that we love and, you know, and enjoy the treats. But obviously with, you know, in moderation and within the context of having lots of other healthy foods in there that are going to support your health. At the end of the day, one of the best questions that I learned to ask myself is how is this food going to make me feel? And personally, I have found that that is a really beneficial guide. When I think about, um, you know, certain foods, like I love carbohydrates, I love anything that's really doughy and bready. But when I think, that's really not a word bready, but you know what I mean. <laughs> when I think about those foods, I almost instantly want to fall asleep. <laughs> I want to take a nap. I just know that if I eat a lot of them or if I eat a big serving, I'm going to be really tired. I'm going to need a nap and it's going to really derail my day. So I've learned over time to just eat less though. I don't say that I can't ever, ever, but I really don't want my day to be derailed like that. And so most of the time I just opt not to. And I find a different replacement because I'm very tuned into how a food is going to make me feel. If you have followed me for a while, you know that I decided to remove gluten from my diet this past year. And I have noticed I did it for health reasons, but surprisingly, I found that that was one of the culprits in my fatigue. And so when I was eating foods with gluten, I found that I would crash in the afternoon. I had this terrible fatigue at three o'clock. I couldn't even imagine getting through my day. And this went on when my kids were younger. And I would think, how am I going to take care of my kids when I you know, really have to be awake and alert? I was so tired. And now I can't even nap if I try to. I just can't. And so it really, it, the connection became so crystal clear to me that it really makes it easier moving forward. And I hope you will test that out as well. Asking yourself, how is this food going to make me feel is a really great guide as you make your decisions. Okay, moving on to number eight. Number eight says that, and this is kind of a sad, it's kind of a sad state of affairs. Um, our healthcare system is a little backwards these days. And unfortunately, our healthcare system is really geared towards treating illness and it's not doing as great of a job in preventing illness and covering services that are going to help us maintain our health and promote wellness. They are really geared toward helping us when we are sick, which is good and we want it there when we're sick, but it, wow, life would be so different if the healthcare system would help us prevent illness more. So what that means is that it really falls on our own shoulders to support that, to take those steps and to support them financially. And 
I know that we all vary in our financial resources and our discretionary funds. And so, you know, there's going to be a range in terms of what we can make, um, make room for in our own budgets. And, but I, so I realized that, and I just want you to think about where are the ways in which you can make this possible? Because yeah, it's true that in some ways, healthy foods are going to cost more than fast, easy foods, but that's not exclusively true. And, um, you know, you don't have to buy the most expensive organic produce to be able to eat your vegetables and benefit uh, from the nutrition in them. So there are lots of ways and we could spend a whole podcast episode talking about this. Um, so there are ways to eat healthy and to do that in a way that is financially doable. And it may also be the case that there are times when you may want to invest some discretionary money into paying for specific foods, specific health foods, um, some of the specialty foods that just unfortunately do cost more. Um, and then look at the supplements. You know, supplements can be really beneficial. There are some great episodes that I have early on with one of my favorite guests, Lisa Vasile, um, who is a functional medicine nurse practitioner. And she shared so much great information about supplements and how they can be really beneficial. But yeah, they're going to cost money. Alternative healing modalities cost money, acupuncture, massage, um, Reiki, you know, things that can be really beneficial for our health and help us feel good in our body and feel connected to our body. They unfortunately do cost money and we are going to have to shoulder that cost ourselves. So I encourage you to think about this, you know, to look at your budget and say, are there swaps that I can make? If I think that it would be beneficial for me to include some of these healing modalities or some of these specialty foods, am I willing to make some swaps and create some room in my budget to support them? It's frustrating. It's a really frustrating state of affairs. And I hope that will change over time. But I know it to be true. I know I would rather pay money to support my wellness than have to pay money because I'm sick and I can't work or now I need certain things and there's no option. I would I would not want to get to that point. And I think investing in our wellness is a much better situation to be in. Okay. Uh, so let's move on to number nine. Number nine is the idea that ingredients in non-food items matter just as much as they do in food items. So you hear me talk a lot about looking at specific foods and as I was just saying, you know, asking yourself how a certain food is going to make you feel. But processed foods um processed foods are not doing us justice. So that's one whole topic is looking at the specific ingredients in foods and really knowing, you know, what chemicals, what artificial additives are in there that may not enable us to feel our best in terms of our health, in terms of our body, in terms of how our stomach feels. So it is so important to be studying ingredients and really trying to minimize or eliminate processed foods at, you know, to the best you are able to. But the same thing goes with other household and cleaning products that we have. Anything with a lot of artificial chemicals and fragrances are, they're not going to be good for our body. And there's a lot of research that's coming out on this. And it's another really frustrating point that I think about, which is that we have to do so much work to undo what is allowable in our, our healthcare and our industry. And in, even in the FDA, that there are all these products on the shelves, they're allowed to sell them, but they have chemicals in them that are just not supporting our health. They are not supporting our ability to feel 
the best we can in our body. So it's on us to really be vigilant, to look at these ingredients, look at what's in these products, in the candles, in the, the soaps, the bubble baths, the fragrances, the wipes, the cleaning products that we use, all of those things are, can be full of chemicals and that's going to have an impact on how you feel. And it's really worthwhile taking a look at that and testing out what happens when you remove them. Do you notice any difference in how you feel? I have some other episodes on this as well. So you can go back in the podcast and, um, and get some more information on that. There's a really great one on essential oils. There are actually two of them. So one's on essential oils on their own. And then the other is on using essential oils to replace some of the household um, products that we use that are full of toxins and chemicals. So I'll list that in the show notes as well. Okay, number 10. I have to say, these aren't really in any particular order, but this is really a good one to end on. As much as it's important to work hard and take care of your tasks and take care of the business of life and really pay attention to the food that you're eating and the way that you're moving your body, I also want to emphasize how important it is to prioritize having fun. Yes, fun. Create hobbies, all sorts of hobbies, ones that you do on your own, ones that enable you to socialize with others, one that you can do in one season of the year, but you don't necessarily do in another one that you do with kids, one without kids, one with a significant other, one with friends, one that provides fun, relaxation, and others that provide rest. These, All of these activities are really important to feeling great in your body. We want to work our body. We want to move it. We want to feed it. We want to nourish it, but we want to rest it and give it some downtime. And we want to have fun. When you have fun, believe it or not, it produces chemicals, it releases chemicals, endorphins in our brain that give us that feel-good feeling that is really part of feeling good in your body. Even, this is so fascinating, but even just doing something novel, like going to a restaurant that you haven't been to, or going to a beach that you haven't been to, or walking in a neighborhood that you haven't walked in, just something that's novel also gives us a bit of that endorphin hit, which is going to feel different than doing the same old, same old every day. So give yourself permission to take naps, create downtime in your schedule, make a list of relaxing activities that appeal to you. Things like taking a bath, going in a sauna, getting a massage, listening to music, reading, prioritizing your sleep. At the end of the day, creating a consistent routine that enables you to sleep well, that teaches your body to fall asleep easily and wake up at a desired time. This all kind of ties back to that time management and creating a structure. Ideally, what I would want for you is to be able to look at your calendar all set up in advance for the week and to see, have you created time to cover everything that's important for you to feel good in your body, in your mind, in your skin? Do you have the time created to take care of the business of life, whether you have a job um, and then also to take care of your home, your family and yourself? So we need time for all of that. But then we want to see time carved out to move our body, to food shop, to think about food, to stop and eat food, stop in the middle of the day and have a meal at least three times a day. Do you see time for downtime to just give your brain a break, do whatever you want, not be scheduled during a certain part of the day? to take a nap if that works for you, but don't take too long of a nap that it interferes with your sleep, um, to listen to music, to do fun things. When you look at your calendar planned out for the week, do you see interactions with other people? Do you see social activities in there? Do you see time carved out 
to spend with your family, to spend with your friends? I hope the answer is yes. And I hope if you've been following me, if you have taken my time management course, if you have listened to all of these 100 podcast episodes, I hope you're doing a much better job with that so that really at the end of the day, you are creating an intentional day, an intentional life. And that intention is going to pay off by enabling you to feel the best that you can in your skin, in your body, in your mind, and in your day-to-day life. With that, I'm going to say farewell on this 100th episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening to, I hope you've listened to all 100 episodes. If you've missed any, go back. If you have some favorites, go back to them from time to time. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I do that with my own podcast. I go back and I listen to them. And sometimes it's like, I don't even know who's speaking. I'm listening to it like an objective listener and reminding myself, oh yeah, that's important to do. I need to do the same thing to feed that ticker tape in my own head as well. So I thank you so much for being here. It has been so fun for me to create these episodes. I have loved this. One of the best projects I've done in my life. And I'll be here for another year, another 100 episodes. Probably take us two years to do that. Um, But I'll look forward to celebrating 200 with you. Thank you again for listening and have a great day, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you love today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.